Hey guys, welcome to the Babylon Pastors podcast sponsored by ODG Apparel. I am one of your hosts, Michael. And I'm Rob. Glad you're here to listen in while we talk about church, theology, and everything in between. Hey everybody. So we're back again this week. Uh, last week, we so this month we've been talking about uh, preaching styles. And last week we went through Stephen Furtick and Mike Todd. And this week we are tackling uh, Matt Chandler and Jeff Vanderstelt, which I'm really pumped about. Uh, how about you, Michael? Is that exciting? Uh, it is. Um, gosh, I don't know how long I've listened to Chandler, but aside from, in case if you've listened to the first month of podcast, aside from Mark Driscoll, Matt Chandler is probably uh, one of the reasons that I kind of uh, believe the way I do as far as the introduction to it all. And yep. The preaching style as well. So to say that uh, he's influenced me a bit, uh, that would be an understatement. And then Jeff, man, I can't, I know I said this last time, but if you have not listened to Jeff after this podcast, or even, I don't care, turn it off now, go listen to him. He is solid. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Oh, it looks like you got a book. That's that's how you spell his name, Jeff Vanderstelt. That's a good point. Yeah, good luck spelling that if you don't know how to spell it. Yeah, just type in gospel fluency in YouTube. You'll find him. There you go. All right, so uh, so that we both keep our minds in the same spot we were last time, um, we have got to make sure that we talk about their methodologies as well as their content. That's the two big things I think we touched on last time. In case I'm unless I'm forgetting something. and we'll kind of like that at least keep us. I want to, like you said, we want to make sure we're as fair as possible in doing this. Because in, if you listen to the last podcast, our bias, well, I mean, you know our bias. So there was, there was literally nothing objective about that. It was, it was difficult. I it really was tried. so hard for me to do that. For it sure. was as objective as I can be. If there you, you go. Yeah. If you, Look, if you don't treat the scripture with some sort of, again, not that they don't like the scripture, but if you don't exegete it correctly, that shows a little bit of the way that you're viewing it. So no matter how much you yep. know of it. Okay. So let that, I'm sorry, that bled over from the last podcast. So let's start with Matt Chandler and Jeff. So let's talk about their methodology a bit. When did you learn about uh, Matt and Jeff? Oh boy. I do. I cannot answer that about Matt Chandler. I like you, he, I've been listening to Matt Chandler for a long, long time. Um, Jeff Vanderstelt, probably, probably five, maybe six years. Oh wow. Like I was, I was two months ago old when I found out about Jeff. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So I've, and actually he has done um, he's, he has probably been the most influential figure for the way that I pastor right now and the way that I, um, so we have a community, missional community, small group, whatever you want to call it. Um, we have, uh, have had one of those for quite a while and he really influenced a ton, um, of kind of who I am ministerially today so so let's let's start with him because like you said i can tell just by talking to you uh but also i mean just knowing you but by listening to just a probably a handful of his sermons a lot of that language is so similar so when i was listening to him and he was like all right family and i was like ah that's exactly how rob preaches 
no, I mean, that was one of the things that stood out, like, in particular, because, I mean, you don't hear that terminology used a lot. Like, I, I, I mm-hmm. don't, at least. Um, so let's talk about Jeff. So if we're talking about methodology, we'll talk about Chandler, too. But we're talking about methodology. So the way that they present their messages. Uh, Jeff is, from what I've noticed, a little bit different than even Chandler in the regard that I'm not saying like he's a happy medium between like who we talked about last time, Ferdick and Todd, but mm-hmm. he does use a lot of story. Um, yes. yeah, so for example, lot. one of the, uh, and I think this would be a good distinction. It was for me and you can kind of fill me in cause you've probably listened to, well, I know you've listened to a ton more of him than I have, but um, like the story he uses, whereas the people we talked about last time would use it to be like, here's a story to, you know, to, to, this is the big point off of the Bible text we talked about. So here's a little Bible and here's my big story. Jeff seems to say, here's the Bible story. Here's another story. And the reason I act this way in this story is because of the influence the Bible story gives on my life. Is that, again, is that sort of a representation accurate? Yeah, I think, I think that's a, that's fair. Yeah. He, you, if you watch much of him, you'll hear a lot about how important he believes story is. Um, and, and, you know, he's not wrong. That's how, you know, like, um, a lot of the guys in here didn't, you know, have one of these to carry around and read. It was story. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and it's not, um, we all go to the, the movies and, and, uh, do lots of different things because story works. Right. So, um, in fact, he, he's really big on story because he he would say and i would agree with it that that every every storyline every fiction book every movie every storyline has a few of the same exact principles that are a part of it and they just so happen to be the principles that god invented in his story yep right so mm-hmm. story is a is a is i even have that written down too that story is a big part of of um he and Chandler but but a lot more him I think than Chandler but yeah and I think what I learned from him and I, I'll probably talk a little bit more about him than Chandler just because of how how much like so for me just to give a little breath brief if in case people don't kind of know um much about me um there's a lot of times where I have in the past really kind of downgraded the idea of a lot of stories uh, so, for example, stories and sermons, because uh, mainly because I've seen them used so wrong and incorrectly that sure. it's like that gave me a really negative taste on them. Because most of the time, whenever I heard a story, it was always some stupid comedic sort of get everybody laughing in the service. And then now we're going to go back yeah. to something serious. So I was just like, well, what's the point of doing this? That's dumb. But he really not only him, but listening to his sermons redeemed that principle a lot for me. Um, the sermon particularly that we both watched that I'll again put in the, the show notes and in the link uh, or in the description, but he tells a very lengthy story about his community group, getting to know this lady and how that affects everything. And you get to the end and it wasn't just a story for story's sake. It was a story to demonstrate the principles of the Bible about how God affects every part of our life that he doesn't give up on us and we don't give up on people and just how ingrained that is in how he lives out his life. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that- I wish, I wish that I had as many powerful personal stories because I was living 
like the Bible teaches us to live out loud. Yeah. You know, well, I, like he makes you want to run into the streets and smile and tell everyone, hey, come and be saved, right? Yeah. Like at the end of a sermon, that's where you're left, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very much, I, I think that, that's, again, like what you just said, the important distinction between maybe the guys we talked about last time, where, again, it's not that they're not saying to do that, but with his thing, the whole thing is that if you live, if, if your life is truly affected by what God has done in you, you will live out a certain way. Not that it's going to be perfect or, you know, you know, great. I don't, he would, I don't think he's, I've ever heard him say that. And I doubt he ever did, but it's going to be like this sanctification in your life where it's, it's surely God through your life, showing how he's growing you, who he is by the people around you, by the community you're in. And that does present to you a lot of opportunities to share the gospel with people by nature of how the gospel's affected you. So it's not about health, wealth, happiness, a perfect marriage, anything like that. In fact, I, I, the story he told, like the best parts of that story were the worst parts that he was living through, but it was most glorifying to God because of what was happening. Um, mm-hmm. So again, I think just listening to him, that I, I think it redeems a lot of that negative aspect that pe- me specifically, but I know other people have too, of t- telling narratives in a sermon that aren't necessarily the scripture reading, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think so. One of the principles that I've learned from him, not just from the one that we um, watched, though it's demonstrated pretty powerfully in that one, but a principle that I've learned from him is that the, the whole idea that every everything that we do or see or how we read a text and prepare a sermon or whatever, or even how we're preaching the sermon it, it has to be looked at through the lenses of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, in, in our group uh, on Sunday nights, there's a guy that calls them his gospel goggles and he'll, we'll have to, I remind him throughout the week, Hey Jeff, keep your gospel goggles on man. Mm-hmm. Um, but his name's Jeff too. I guess it's a trend. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I like that. Uh, so when you listen to some guys like MacArthur, for instance, who we're not talking about this month, but he's, it's basically like listening to a commentary, yeah. right? Like there's so much information. It, it is the definition of verse by verse expository uh, preaching, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's very little, if any, story involved, really. It's just like reading a dictionary kind of, I mean, it's just like almost in this tone as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And, um, so if you're, if you need to, to find out what scripture is saying in some history and like, he's a good guy for that. Right. Cause he's, he's a beast when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, but, but I think it helps story like Jeff, uh, Vanderstelt does in that, specific sermon it really helps put into perspective it, it helps bring that the actual text to your street yeah. right to where you live um and make it the, i i've never heard anyone um matt chandler is really good at this too uh where you you leave there's no mistaking what the text was about there's no mistaking um okay what next 
right? How, how do I now go and do this? Right. Mm -hmm. Because there are examples <laughs> the whole time kind of. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good segue into not only Chandler, but also content. So, I mean, so there, I think sometimes, especially when I talk about like who we talked about last time, as far as verdict and Todd or other people like them, it's not even them specifically. It's just that type of preaching. But yeah, what happens a lot is that the story or the emphasis will be on, um, on, on something other than what the text was. The text, so I, I like to give this as an example. The text is almost like a, uh, like a, uh, a diving board at a pool, and then their story or their, the rest of the content is like the pool. So you're just using that to jump off into something else, and you're, you, after you're off the jumping board, you're never going back. Like That's mm -hmm. all you were using that for. Um, whereas, you know, for example, like, uh, we're talking about Chandler and Jeff today. It's just more of like, almost like creating a mill. So there's all these different parts of it, but when you get them all together, that's what makes it good. So like you said, it's not that MacArthur, for example, isn't good. I mean, if you're head, I love listening to that guy, but like you said, there is a lack in application sometimes as far as how to, to get it. So he, he's got a lot of meat. But you also, okay, where's the bun and the condiments and the cheese? And like, where's all of this that you can put together? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like you said, there's no mistaking what the text meant and what that means to you now as a Christian, but it's all a big meal all together. Um, so you can go out and live it. And, and again, in both these guys, Chandler too, um, I know the sermon we watched was like super short. He's usually a lot longer than that, but um, the idea is even in a short amount of time, no matter if it's long or short, communicate a distinctive gospel truth using real life scenarios to say, look, the Bible, yeah, it was a long time ago, but it's just as hard hitting now and just as meaningful now and just as effective now because of, and then a gospel, you know, story of how that's affected someone, which I, again, not that we're talking about this, but I think is why testimony is so effective. And I think that's yep. why. I know at the village, I don't know about where Jeff's at, but they do testimony videos all the time to demonstrate this is where I was, this is who I was, and now this is who I am. So yeah, if you it, yeah, that's they it's the same thing, right? If you go to Doxa Dash Church, I think. Anyway, it's called Doxa Church. It used to be. I think I told you this. It you used did, yeah. to it was Bellevue, um, uh, Mar the Bellevue main campus for Mars Hill when Mark Driscoll uh, was there. And that's, that's, I'm um, not sure how all that got lost on me. I, I think after the Driscoll thing fell apart, I was like, oh, who cares about Mars Hill anymore? Because I'm fickle apparently. <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Bad personality trait. <laughs> yeah. So that they, they do a lot of the same things. That, and um, it's actually something that we at our church are, I mean, we don't have the, production people and all that you mm -hmm. would need to do something that they can do in Seattle with a, a lot of money in a church that has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in it. Um, so, so we can never do it to that degree necessarily, but, but when it comes to uh, there, so there are all kinds of really good things that happen in churches and um, no one's going to get encouraged by it if they don't know it. Yeah. So it, it, it's an effective thing. And both, both of those guys do that. I think, um, a lot. Really well, yeah. So, okay. So now let's go to, um, let's go to the content. 
And then we're going to have to talk about some maybe things that are negative and positive. Because again, I got to keep it fair, even though that's hard. Yeah, there's nothing negative. Next. I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. So let's go specifically with content. So obviously their methodology, tell me if I'm wrong on this, but their methodology is very much let's bring the gospel plus now in order to demonstrate how the gospel does change us and affects us and how that grows the kingdom. Very much. So I guess the distinction between who we talked about last time, last time it's very much more, I, I would call this very loose evangelical message as far as get saved but that's the definition that they're probably going to fit in whereas these guys are very much more discipleship oriented this is how you know you live out this christian life while also presenting hey if you aren't part of this family this is how you become part of this family yeah okay that's fair yeah yeah all right so content what do you get from their content specifically aside from presentation um I know they're very so, closely tied. That's the they thing. they are. I, I think their their content it's I think um so there's there's no question they take a text. I think they get the the big idea of the text. The, they do the stuff that you're taught to do, you know. Um yeah. it just it plays out maybe a little differently. So let's um, let's do this uh, then because there might be some people listening that don't know what you're what taught you're to taught do to do. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So so they, they grab a, they grab a specific text or whatever, um, you know, in our church, it's easy. We say, let's go through this book. And so the text chooses itself for you, mm -hmm. but, um, but they'll, they'll grab whatever text it is and, uh, dissect it essentially and come up with in this specific set of verses or paragraph or section of, or story narrative, whatever it is. Um, what's the, the big idea? What's the main thing? that not that I can get out of it or that uh, is maybe applicable to, but what is the main thing that God is trying to communicate through his word mm -hmm. here? Right. Yeah. Um, so they'll take that. They'll, they'll do the, the homework for that. And, and they do um, kind of a, an exegetical expository style preaching, but it is, um, Maybe if you compare it to a very, uh, a, a very expository MacArthur-esque kind of preaching, it, they're still expository, but they're very much um, like up-to-date yeah. expository, meaning that it's, it's, they still somehow make it really relevant um, to everyone's life, no matter where you're at. I think that's one of the things that I really like about both of those mm -hmm. guys. If you're a super seasoned believer you've been a christian for a long time you're you know some theological words uh whatever like right you, you know yeah 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 <laughs> or um or eisegesis oh that's important oh we should we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute we'll touch on that in a minute anyway uh, but if if you're that guy or if you're you know brand new i've been a christian for five minutes or i might not be one yet um you're still gonna walk away knowing what they were talking about knowing um the the message that that specific text was meant to give us mm -hmm. um there's no walking away from it not understanding what they're talking about which i think is 
super important for preachers. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. So let's, let's make that distinction. And a little plug here for Honest Youth Pastor merchandise. I have a shirt that says exegesis over eisegesis. If you want to head over ODG. Okay, so there was that plug. What, what is eisegesis, Michael right, Moore? So eisegesis is the uh, ex... Okay, so here's the thing. This is the very thing we were talking about last episode. Uh, eisegesis is where you are reading yourself into a text. So if it's Moses, you're Moses. If it's Elijah, you're Elijah. In fact, what I've noticed is a lot of people that preach eisegetically love the Old Testament because you can easily put yourself in that person's shoes. They don't do it a lot with the New Testament because that's a ton more difficult. But if you use the Old Testament, you could be anybody. And that story applies directly to you because you're basically that person. If your Red Sea has not been crossed, your Red Sea, oh, you need to cross your Red Sea. That sort of thing. Uh, (laughs) See, I could do it. I could give you an eisegetical sermon right now. Say yes to your burning bush. Hey, man. Anyway, so (laughs) I think you get the point. Um, if ever a pastor says you just like Elijah could get, you know, a double portion anyway. So I think I went off the deep end there for a second. I'm going to bring it back. It's all right. So a dog named Elijah Moses exegetical work is where, like Rob just said, you take the text and say, what does the text have to say about who God is about how he interacts with us? And then after I get that, How does that now apply to me as a believer? What is that? How does that work itself out in my life now as a believer? So, and that's, I think the difference, and this is why you see the difference in these two types of preaching, whereas the eisegetical preaching is very much because it's about, I am like Moses, or I am like Elijah, or I am like Noah, whatever it is, I am like this person. It is now, you can preach that to a room full of unbelievers. Because they don't need to know about Jesus to be, I mean, that you they'll just, whatever, I'm that person. Whereas yeah. if it's exegetical, um, you have to mention Jesus uh, in many cases because he applies to all of it. And yep. in the same way, the application of living that text out as a Christian always goes back to the fact that you've been changed and regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Something that cannot happen unless you understand who Jesus is and what he's done. So I think that's the main huge difference is that one is you're reading, the simple short answer is you're reading yourself into the text, whereas exegetical work is you're reading out of the text what it has to say about God and then understanding that in light of the fact that you are a follower of him. And if you're not, exegetical work will show you that you're not and you need to be. So, Yeah, I'm actually, I'm looking up right now. Um. The Googles? You on the Google? Uh, no, I'm actually not. Oh, no. I'm, what you doing? I'm searching a specific website. Um, I forget. I forget what it... Uh, I, this could take a long time, so never mind. But <laughs> Hey, I could give but, an isogical sermon real quick while you preach. I'll yeah, tell us. quick. All right. We all got to... Look, there is a red sea in your life, and it needs to part for you so you can get to the other side of what God has for you. That was that was really good. And you know something? I like when it. you come through, you're gonna come through dripping because all those problems are gonna part for you, but you might feel them coming down on you. But do not worry, for God has parted your Red Sea and He'll bring you through it. All right. Um I'm sorry. 
Yeah, so that's really good. Hang on. Uh, uh, are you going to hit me with the book? Is that? <laughs> I have it written in here. What I instead of looking it up on a website. Oh, okay. There you go. So, See this, kids? That's a book. It's got paper in it. And real paper. Out. Yeah, real paper. Yeah, it's pretty cool, really. All right. You get a paper cut. You never get a paper cut on the internet. Hey, so when um, Jeff, I'm just kidding. When Jeff Vanderstelt, this is, uh, you know, like in a typical sermon uh, outline, there are three sections, right? You've got your introduction, your yeah. body, or your explanation, and then your application, right? Um, Vanderstelt, when you mentioned that uh, he ties everything or that you should tie everything back to Jesus at some point, somehow it's a gospel thing, which is true. The whole Bible from beginning to end is the gospel story. The whole thing is, that's the, that's the central theme of all of it, right? So, um, but he, uh, so the typical application thing is you ask yourself the question kind of in light of the words and meaning of the text, what should we do? It's the so what, right? Yeah. You give me a bunch of information. So what? What? Do, how, how does that change me? What should I do? Um, he also asks uh, these questions: um, How and why do we not already obey this? So what? Okay. Then, uh, how did Jesus do or accomplish this perfectly for us? How does what Jesus did, obeying the so what? How does that change us inside, meaning how does it change our heart and outside? How must we live in light of Jesus doing that for us? So that's his every, every sermon that he develops. Those are questions that he asks. I think I just learned my uh, something I needed to learn from him. <laughs> so the last time I learned that I need to be more excited uh, when I preach and bring everybody back around. Well, not quite like that, but yeah. Well, yeah, like if you're day. watching on YouTube... You just I'm got have something to find you a way can't to make unsee. That, like, the intro video with you just doing that, the doing Woo! the Numa Numa dance. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but I think yeah, those are great. I mean, because that way, I mean, you you have to draw it back and ask. Which again, I think we'll talk about this when we talk about ourselves. But that's something I do poorly sometimes, is making sure answering the so what questions. So that's mm. good it's for me to learn. I think it's actually one of the hardest parts, frankly, because it. It's, I mean, a lot of, it's not as difficult, I think, um, at least for me, it's not as difficult to, to, you know, to do the middle part of a sermon because it's, it's actually pretty simple. You just look at this text. Uh, text and you, yeah, you expound upon what the text yeah. is saying, right? But even the introduction is more difficult than that, I think, because, okay, well, how do I actually introduce this? in a compelling way or can I, or what? And some of these guys, we should talk about that because some of their introductions are like, turn with me to Philippians. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's the whole introduction, but um, you have that's to me. earn. If you've ever listened yeah. to a me sermon, I yeah. automatically start with that. <laughs> when, when they, um, uh, the, the application is, is difficult. It's, it's the hardest thing because you're trying to take a, you know, something that is obviously not from this century, yeah. right? And and uh, apply it, apply the principle, the main point. So it's, it's work, yeah. I think. All right. So to be as fair as possible, 
and I don't think I can be really with this, but um, my negatives from these guys. Um, so uh, I don't have four. <laughs> if you listen to the last podcast, I don't have four negatives for these guys. The best I can come up with is uh, I have nothing on content. I, I, I don't, I th- again, you can argue and I'm sure somebody would. I think their content is solid, 100%. Um, yeah. The only thing that I would say, and this doesn't apply to Chandler and it probably doesn't apply to Jeff either, but this is just the sermons I've listened to. He doesn't get like, there's no highs and lows emotionally. It's, I mean, it's, it's not monotone, but there's definitely no extremes. Um, so I don't know. I don't think that's a negative, but if we're comparing that could be mm-hmm. seen maybe attention wise for some people. And that's all I got. Uh, so <laughs> as you can see, I, it's not fair. <laughs> I, I had to work really hard to think of something to put here, but I was determined to put something here. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Right? So for me, um, I have different ones for each of them. Okay. Right. And I really, it's just one each really, but, uh, Chandler, some of his humor style, is very sarcastic ish, yeah, you know, in yeah, nature. And true. unless you know Chandler, I could see someone coming in and sitting and going, man, this guy's a jerk. And then, or taking something the wrong way or whatever. Mm-hmm. I could see that happening. Not that I think it happens very, very often, if at all. It's but that's yeah, a good point. Just good point. his humor style probably matters too. Not, but he's just being him. So, yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. He's got like, you know, he's, shoving churches out the door to make them autonomous right so yeah yeah um that's another thing we talked about that last week or last week, yeah I think. yeah so and then jeff vanderstelt i this is i'm gonna read you what i actually wrote okay, okay. Uh, jeff vanderstelt i said i literally cannot think of anything that is dangerous about how jeff vanderstelt preaches but um uh in, in all fairness though i did come up with um uh, it it is possible, though probably not, probably not probable. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? I, think, uh, yeah. I don't that, know. It, it'll English work. Or grammar, it'll work. So, all right. It it's possible, though. It's it's not probable that the stories could um, outweigh the scripture in in what you're um, hearing, and the reason that that matters is because you you could. Um, end up walking away from one of these sermons longing to look more like Jeff than Jesus. That's, yeah, right. That's a, that's a good point. Because so, in that sermon that we listened to, yeah, it was, I mean, predominantly story. I mean, 90% of it yeah. was story. Now, the one thing, the one thing that I think fixes the problem that I just stated is, is that in the sermon, that specific sermon, you said you're going to link them, right? Yeah, we'll link them in the description. Yeah. So in that specific sermon, he says, I think more than once uh, in, his, in his story, um, in his conversation with um, that gal, Jeannie. No, not Jeannie. That's his wife. Anyway, um, in his conversation with this, this elderly woman that they're taking care of, um, he mentions to her on purpose uh, the things that you see in me that are good are Jesus. It's not me. I'm, and so that being who he is, and that kind of makes its way into almost every time he speaks. Um, 
he kind of does tell you, look, if you, in a way he's saying, if you look up here and you see anything that's good, it's not Jeff, right? You need to be like Jesus, yeah. right? So he, the attention he still purposefully draws to, to Christ, right? But, um, but I mean, I could see it being a possibility that if yeah. you're, you know. Yeah, that was hard. That was hard to get negatives. Yeah, it was. I had to make guys, stuff up. If you listen to the last podcast, all the negatives were on content, not on methodology. I tried to make it very distinct there. Uh, yeah. But they're so, cl- they're so tied together that, again, and some of this, I mean, I don't think, I mean, we talked about this, I think, before we started filming. But, like, it's hard, what's well, near impossible, to separate the theology from the methodology because they drive each other. They feed each other. So the way mm-hmm. you process your theology is going to, it's going to have to drive how. So the positives, for example, or the negatives that we see in any of these guys is ultimately going to be uh, affirmed or disqualified by how we view scripture and how we think it's supposed to be done. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <clears throat> so a lot of that is the thing. So awesome, good deal. So we'll link those as well. Do you have any ending thoughts before here? Other than just to be like, there's nothing I see that's wrong with Jeff. They're perfect in every way. No, uh, I, I, I think that these two guys are actually Jesus, Paul and Jeff. Is that why I just, I don't know, Paul. And no, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> totally joking. <laughs> no, I, I think um, the, the, I think these two guys that we talked about today are a really good middle ground, right. For the, the verdicts of the world who, you know, like Vanderstelt got choked up and teared up some and like you could tell that passion and emotion for him wasn't shouting like Furtick, but it was, it was there, right? Mm-hmm. He was really passionate about what he was talking about in his story. And uh, so I think they're a good mix, both of them with uh, for a good middle ground, like the pendulum is right here and not up here or here, right? Um, with the verdicts of the world and with the R.C. Sproul, MacArthur, that kind of thing. So they're, they're engaging. I don't see people falling asleep much no, yeah. in that situation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're actually truly being discipled and not receiving a pep talk, yeah. which is really what I felt about last week. So. Yeah. Well, and I, like you said, I'll t- I totally agree with you on the middle ground because – as much as, and we'll, maybe we'll do a, a, I don't know if we'll ever talk about it. I'm sure we will. Music goes, these two guys are worship wise in the middle of both of these. So in Sproul or Piper, you're not, you're going to hear a lot of hymns, a lot of traditional, yep. whereas Todd and Furtick, you're going to hear a lot of upbeat kind of contemporary stuff. You have the perfect middle here where much of the music, and I don't know about Doxa, but like for the village pulls from the Same contemporary thing. tradition. Yeah, but does it in such a manner like a very much like a, uh, uh, I my brain's gone blank. But it, it's very it's modern feel with the contemporary core to it. So, or yeah, no, you, I got those backwards. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get a very old, rich hymn lyrically, mm-hmm. and a, a new elevation. Bethel Hillsong type of sound esque, yeah, sound and presentation and music, yeah. So anyway, all full disclosure, uh, we pretty much love these guys, and that's pretty much you can tell that. But I would go check them out, like we said in the last podcast. Even if you don't like the style, you I would recommend you check it out. Just like yeah, I have to have a water and a thing of Tylenol to listen to Furtick. You might have to bring your Tylenol and your water to hear these guys, but it's 
it's in that case, like you need to repent. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> All right, guys. Who uh, who we got on the docket next week, Rob? Next week, we are uh, yakking about R.C. Sproul, the late R.C. Sproul, and John Piper. All Not right. a Pied Piper, John Piper in the flesh. In the, in the flesh? He's going to be in there the, with you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he's not going to be on camera. He's going to be sitting over in, on my couch while we're, but. Well, we're talking. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, hey, I couldn't whatever. get him to sign the, he had to sign some paperwork. He wouldn't sign it. So. Gotcha. Man. Yeah. Guys. All right. <laughs> that's a lie. All of that's a lie. All right. So. <laughs> all right. We will talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Thanks you for following. Goodbye.